They want to know the people they're buying from have got the finger on the pulse of the market. Having that type of association with those topics in the spaces where your customers or prospects are going to be, I think is incredibly important because it's part of what stands you out uh, or can potentially make you stand, excuse me, stand out from the crowd. And you've got to find those moments where you can do that, obviously. B2B has the potential to be electrifying, but the industry is paralyzed by a culture of conservatism, scared stiff in a straitjacket of rational ideas. It's time for change. It's time to make B2B marketing visceral. Join us as we uncover and explore the truth with leading B2B marketers. This is B2B marketing, the provocative truth. Hello and welcome to B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth. I'm Benedict and today I'm joined by Chris Wade, who is Chief Marketing and Product Officer at Communication Services Provider, Gamma Communications. Chris, a very warm welcome. Thanks, Benedict. Nice to be here. And I'm not just welcoming Chris. I don't know whether the uh, the camera is going to sort of pan wide enough, but he is also joined by an extra special guest, which is this cat Foster. So Foster's rather apologies, which there is a story behind, which maybe we can uh, sort of dig into later. So if you do see a uh, sort of a ginger ear poking into frame, you'll know you'll know who it is. But I'm expecting some valuable contributions from Foster's uh, as we go forward. Um, and Chris, uh, today we're going to be talking about. Um, the idea that businesses need to remain, I suppose, agile and responsive to their customer base as they mature. Yep. I think there is probably a, a temptation as you set out your your business, you develop your business case, you identify who your customer is, you de- identify that segment they represent in the market. And there's a degree of sort of stasis at that point. Um, we've got a fixed idea and we will continue to serve them with the corresponding proposition. But as we, of course, know, as a business matures, almost in correspondence, um, so does customers, not just in terms of how the market changes and therefore their needs change, but also their relationships with you and the interactions and the expectations they have will also evolve. So to kick things off, I'd just like to get your reaction to the sort of the provocative truth that a lot of businesses fail to realize that there is that fluidity and is that sort of continued evolution and that really does jeopardize their sort of future long-term success and, of course, uh, customer and client retention. How would you feel about that? I, I, think, it's, I think it's absolutely true. And I think it's you know, all businesses really are, are guilty of that going, yeah, we've got a thing. We've got a formula that works. And that is the way we're going to sort of plow our furrow through, uh, you know, whatever the market mm-hmm. is. And it's, it is you know, typically then quite blind to... Yeah, things which are right under your noses sometimes that you see as a consumer uh, that don't necessarily then translate into the businesses you're you're working with or you're buying from as a consumer, and also the fact that um, you know we live in this this world that where technology is pervasive, uh, where the impact of technology continues to grow, and you know not just you know the super sexy stuff like AI, but just basic software, and in our case things like connectivity speeds. And if you're not reacting to that and you're not continuing to revolve, uh, review, iterate, evolve what you've got, you do run the risk, like you say, of creating this gap between the company and the, and the other buyer and the seller. Uh, and that obviously is not a, not a great place to be because that the closer that connection to, can be, greater the intimacy, the, the greater the value that can uh, flow across that relationship for both parties. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it is. I'm, I'm, hopefully, I'm right in thinking as you're saying there. That there are there are two aspects to it. it. It is how technology in the market is 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 moving forward, and then there is also that dimension in terms of 
I suppose the longer you have a relationship with a customer, their expectations would evolve as well. Is that sort of a fair characterization? Yeah, I think that's really fair. And so I think technology actually can can be a driver of the latter as well. Mm. So uh, if, if I think about our business, we provide services to uh, you know, businesses across Europe that help mm-hmm. them manage their communications. A lot of that is voice, so telephone calls. Mm-hmm. But increasingly, you, you kind of know yourself, the way you interact with a business is growing arms and legs. So you will use email, SMS, Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, so on and so forth. The list is long and growing. Um, and if, if, if you think about your expectation as a consumer, when you're interacting with a business, you want to be able to do that as you choose and when you choose. And if, if you as a, if we as a supplier to businesses aren't aware of that, that sort of general drive in the market of broadening and deepening communication media, then we're not crossing that chasm. We're not closing that gap with our customers. Mm. Uh, and in some respects, you know, that is totally driven by, by technology. But it's, it's, it's driven by that place where technology and people interact, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there, there are very many communication mechanisms that don't cross into the mainstream. And as a, as a vendor in that, in that space, we have to take those calls of which of those communication streams are going to be the ones which sort of pass the bus stop test, if you will, of you go down to the bus stop and you ask the seven mm-hmm. people who stood there, what have you heard about this, that and the other? The ones that they have heard of, they are going to be using in conversation with businesses. And if we don't keep up with that trend, you know, then we, we're becoming disconnected from the market, disconnected from our customers' need. And the same can be true, I think, of pretty much any type of, of business. If you yeah. if you lose that intimacy, often driven by technology trends changing, then you're creating yourself a, a long-term problem. Mm. I, I think I, sorry, sorry, go on. No, 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 just, yeah, continue. Just, just thought. So there's, there's one piece, I think, which also which plays into it, and it's particularly true probably in B2B technology, is people will invest in technology at a moment in time, and then they won't necessarily buy the same thing for a number of years. So actually what you've got to remember is the, there might be quite a s- steep jump between purchases for a particular company. Um, and so you're not just looking at the changes which are in the market right now, but you've also got to remember like the history of that mm-hmm. relationship, like you said, that you don't you don't let it become stale and you are maintaining those conversations uh, backwards and forwards mm-hmm. with the customer so that they know that when they're ready, um, that you know, we as a provider, whoever their providers mm-hmm. are, can, can go with them across that step, which might be catching up for a number of years of technological innovation. And one thing which I'm, I'm sort of interested in sort of exploring further, you, you talk there around you know, understanding the trends. Now, the thing is with trends is that some of them represent permanent market shifts and some of them are quite transient, which I think you know opens up where I feel is maybe a key tension in terms of the approaches that companies need to take by making sure that they are staying with their finger on the pulse um, and reacting to what's going on in the market, but at the same time, ensuring that they are staying true to a strategy that they might have already identified, because the worst thing you can do is to be reactionary. Now, from your experience, how do organizations, I suppose specifically marketers, make sure you're getting that balance between being sort of um, yeah, uh, true to a strategy, but still responsive? I mean, I think that goes, what's at the heart of a good marketing team is mm. you are totally aligned and um, totally driven by the same goals that the business has. Mm. So, you know, whatever that is, and in, in business, obviously, it's usually some mix of revenue, profit, and customers. Um, if you're clear on what they are, 
then the marketing group can be clear on, okay, that is the outcome we need to drive. What do we need to do to enable that outcome to happen as effectively and as efficiently as possible? And I think that then draws you, like you say, into that world of um, transient trends versus long-term, long-term themes. So it might be really important to, to be associated with one of those fireworks that goes off in the night and is really bright, but then fades away because mm. it means that you're perceived as being connected to you know, the themes of today. But like you say, it doesn't distract from that long-term vision of we need to achieve this as a company. Um, but it does allow you to, to moderate and balance where you spend your resources because ultimately I think that's where, that's where marketing always comes down yeah. to, isn't it? What's the best tactic uh, to reach the audiences you want to get to the goal as efficiently, cheaply as possible? And sometimes that means riding a theme of today mm. Often it means riding a mix, doesn't it? The theme of today plus the long-term things, the systemic yeah. trends in the market, um, and and you know that that continues continues. I think and is true across any any group finding those pieces. But I think the benefit of being a marketer, of course, is um, it's not like investing in technology. You can try a thing, uh, whatever that is, whatever the topic is, mm-hmm. and usually the worst that happens uh, is uh, it goes badly wrong. And you've spent a bit of money and you've used some people's time mm. to try something that didn't work, but you've learned something for next time. Whereas if you're in the technology group, you've obviously got to be more measured in terms of what it is you're trying to build, when and how, and it takes more cycles. So agility, I think, is inherent in marketing when it's something you can exploit to test and experiment with those transient trends versus long-term themes. Mm. And I think that what you've touched on there is actually a quite a, a fundamental um I suppose, issue that a lot of companies deal with, which is the discretion that should exist between marketing and product. Mm-hmm. Certainly one school of thought that marketing needs to be in lockstep with product and anything you're marketing has to have a direct relationship with actually something that you are directly selling at this point. Mm-hmm. But potentially what you've described there is that marketing should have that little bit of discretion to explore some topics and issues which don't necessarily fit within the product agenda. Because from maybe a brand perspective, it's about showing that you are abreast of issues and you are topical and and relevant. Am I sort of interpreting that correctly based on what you've said? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think I think yeah, any good marketing team should be challenging their product counterparts to say, have you seen this? What about mm-hmm. this? What about that? And it doesn't mean chasing your tail all the time. You've got to have that discipline inside you then as, a, as an individual, as a team, to, to make sure they're practical and, and achievable. But you have got a requirement to be sort of inputting to how we achieve the strategies of a company. And that does mean, I think, testing some things. It does mean, you know, being known for some items, you know, as our, as our customers and our buyers are out there, you know, they will be aware of all those sort of shiny objects or fireworks. Mm-hmm. Um, they want to know, I think, you know, people buying from people, that, that truism, they want to know the people they're buying from have got the finger on the pulse of the market. And, and some of it you can flag as, we think this is probably a trend. We mm-hmm. think this is going to be one of those things which is really important now, but question the long-term benefit. Having that type of association with those topics in the spaces where your customers or prospects are going to be, I think is incredibly important because it's part of what stands you out uh, mm-hmm. or can potentially make you stand, excuse me, stand out from the crowd. You've yeah. got to find those moments where you can do that, obviously. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly, well, based on the conversation here and also in my sort of experience, I think that that license is very, very important for marketing. And actually, 
a company will always be held back if they are only going to be working in what was in within their sort of product roadmaps. Um, and another aspect which you were, you were just talking about there, which I think is, is, is an interesting idea, is how much marketing can influence the product development um, agenda. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes, uh, clearly, it's going to be super speculative um, stuff that marketing are talking about, and it doesn't necessarily need to relate directly to a development of a product. But there other times should be that opportunity for marketing to be the initial genesis of an idea or at least a catalyst of exploring something um, new from a sort of a product or service perspective. Uh, how do you, given that you do have that sort of dual responsibility, how do you facilitate that and make sure that marketing do have that opportunity to positively impact the product agenda? Uh, like I say, I probably have it easier than most, actually, because yeah. with both groups sitting for me or under me, I, I can make sure those conversations are happening and by connection to both both teams, I can make sure I understand mm. what both sides are saying. But even before that, I mean, I remember a previous role I had in a in a payments group. You know, someone was always talking at that time about Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. you know, do we want Bitcoin on the roadmap? When will we be able to pay by Bitcoin? And again, the role of marketing and storytelling is you can take that that request. Cat's interested in Bitcoin, obviously. Um, it, you know, you can take that request and make sure it's on a backlog. So that someone somewhere says, well, we asked about that. We talked about that. Yeah, here it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can have an uh, from a product management sort of structure conversation about, um, you know, do you think it's more or less important than things we've got above it? Um, and make sure that you're driving that through. And, and I think, you know, if you think about the various disciplines in marketing, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've I, been quite close and I've run product marketing teams, particularly in, in, my, t- in my time. Those people, and product marketeers, have uh, or need to have, if they're going to be effective, a really deep understanding of their customers. And that means, I think, by by nature, they'll have a very strong understanding of the things that their customers are mm. worried about. And that will include those high-profile, high-noise items. Excuse me. And if they're, if they're not thinking about those and they're not saying to their product management counterpart, have you seen this? What about that? Should it be on the roadmap? Where should it be? then they're probably not representing their customers and their market properly mm. into the product management group. So I think even if they don't sit under you know one person like I'm fortunate enough to have, I think you know they, there should always be an ear in product management for what marketing is saying and doing because it, it should be quite a synergistic relationship and it should mm. be one of those where you, you, can, you can sort of build virtuous circles of ideas and question and challenge and requests for feedback that then are driven by both a technology and a market-facing uh, viewpoint on the world. And you should be able, able to then get to, the, to a better outcome than just, you know, saying marketing are all about projecting stuff out into the market uh, rather than dragging the market back into the business sometimes. Yeah, it's conceptually, it's quite similar to in agency agency world, the way that we talk about client services is that they need to be the voice of the agency to the client and also importantly, the voice of the client within the agency and exactly. actually the way that you've described marketing and obviously sales will have a, a, a pretty a role in this as well, but it's, it's, it's playing that sort of two-sided role yeah. um, is absolutely, absolutely critical. Yeah. Um, now we've, we've spoken, I suppose, implicitly about the idea of new product development, how marketers can be 
sensing what is going on in the market, feeding that back in, getting it onto the product agenda. Now, the flip side of that, which I think a lot of companies probably get as wrong as missing out on new products, is knowing when to retire a product, knowing when to actually change your portfolio because the market has changed, the customer need has changed. Yeah. Now, my observations are is that there is there's probably too much of a lag period generally in taking that those sort of steps to your portfolio. You know, within your your experience, is that is that something that you would agree with in terms of how it's usually approached? Uh, I think it's very fair, very true, mm. and and the reason, of course, is it's very easy to become um, sort of addicted as a business yeah. to a stream of income or customers that are from a thing that you know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's very easy to quantify. If we do a thing and it causes it to go away, this is what we lose, and it's much more difficult to necessarily believe with the same level of rigor what happens if you bring something in to replace it mm-hmm. or you try and migrate people because you know every time you turn something off the, the person who's consuming that service will naturally ask a question about do i still need it mm-hmm. do i need its replacement do i need its replacement from the same company or can i go to the open market and so you introduce those points of risk uh which are you know are particularly in challenging times mm-hmm. they're sometimes you know, more create more challenge than the excitement of bringing something new to market. So yeah, I think it's 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 inevitably true, and I think it's one of those skills that you know certain businesses have got really good at killing products, yeah. or, or so we say managing their life cycle really effectively. Um, I think it's it's not ubiquitous. No, no, indeed, and it, it's cultural in 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 many respects, and I think you sort of started to talk talk about that there, but. If, if you were to, and it's really difficult to give practical advice on, on something like this, but what would be the sort of the, the, the key things that companies need to get right to ensure that they can remain, I suppose, agile, both in terms of new product development, but also agile in terms of knowing when to discontinue products? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, and I wish I had perfect answers because <laughs> then I would be a lot better at my job, probably. Um <laughs> I think that the one part of me, and, and I'm, I'm a physicist by training, so I'm quite, yeah. I'm quite analytically driven, it says the numbers will tell you everything, mm-hmm. um, uh, but you can never have perfect information. So it's always a judgment between what does, what does the market look like? What does our financial performance look like? What's our cost to deliver and support a thing? And that will always tell you some, if not all, of the story. And it will mm-hmm. tell it to you in a way which is very evident but sometimes it's difficult to marry that with the sort of very human, uh, crikey, this means we're going to turn off a service to X thousand people. What are we going to do? And how do we make sure that we we manage that process really smoothly and effectively as a business? Mm-hmm. So I think if I, if I had practical advice, it would be, you know, finding those places. So, you know, assessing the portfolio always, what's working, what's not, where's the growing markets, where's the markets in, in sort of static or decline? And then start the conversation across the business as broadly as you can, as early as you can, so that everybody can be lined up on, are we just turning it off? Are we migrating it actively to something else? Do we need to build something to migrate it to? Are mm-hmm. we partnering with someone new? And you can you can then draw that life cycle out in as structured a way as possible um, and make sure that you've got that, um, that, that proper preparation, really, mm-hmm. to draw those pieces together. Um but obviously, that that requires effort from across the organisation, um, and often it's effort that isn't then being spent at acquiring new business. And I think, yeah. you know, we we, we salespeople are obviously um, typically oriented towards that new business goal, so it's quite difficult to get them sometimes without to think about migration 
equally upsell and cross-sell sometimes too. Um, and so it, having that conversation about appropriate goal back to alignment mm. of the goals of the company and making sure they cascade all the way down, probably mm. key too. So if you've got a, if you've got an ember of life policy, you've got a, a portfolio where there are pieces you're going to turn off, it's probably quite important to have senior management understand mm. what's going on on that too. And then, you know, you are using marketing inside and outside the mm-hmm. organization there of making sure that the message is going to all the audiences inside as well as outside. And, and you said around that that needs to be initiative, which is, you know, actually across the organization. It can't be something which is just one department. So yeah. from, from your perspective, who is usually missing from that, that conversation? I, brought, I, have, I could hazard a guess, but I'd be, I'd be, I'd be interested to know, you know, what, 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 who do you feel needs to be brought into that conversation, whether that's to help identify where the problem is or whether that's to help actually interpret some of the information for, to allow companies to, to respond in that way? So I, I've, I think I've always been lucky enough to work in places where, you know, we've had a, a decent thought process about making sure all mm. stakeholders were involved. Um, I, I think the piece which is, you, you should over-rotate on probably two things for me. And again, Brooke points a little bit to my background with the first. One is finance. So making yep. sure that they are there and they know what the implication of this change or this decision is. Um the second is making sure customers are truly represented. So, mm. you know, we've done things where you, at one level, stopping a thing looks really simple. And then mm. you get into the next level down with people who are, have that real strong day-to-day operational connection to a customer. And they're like, yeah, but if you do that, this happens. And if you do that, this happens. And it causes you to to sort of pause, think again, and then come up with a better plan about what it is you need to do. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you, know, you you can never sort of, think too hard about have we got enough customer representation in this conversation and have we done enough modeling to make sure this this plays through the right way you want your moment in the sun come on come on fosters <laughs> what, what what do you think is missing and yeah. this, well, this is a great example of you know having a very broad church in terms of who we uh, could consult on these sort of matters <laughs> We're even consulting uh, a ginger cat. tomcats as yeah. well so that, that's great well my, my the way i was going to hazard the guess was around um, the involvement of finance i think certainly yeah. from sort of my experience it's it's amazing actually when you do bring in someone from that finance background who's done a very very dispassionate analysis what they actually do pick up on now yeah. that is never the complete picture as you said you've got to involve you know customer representation you've also got to involve marketing and brand because yeah. there are these unforeseen sort of consequences but it can be really really illuminating and sort of pleasantly challenging to bring someone in that actually is taking a slightly skewed Mm-hmm. um analysis of it just because what it actually gives you in terms of um information that you can work with when it comes to a a decision um yeah sorry chris you were gonna no, i, I yeah. think i i think the it's one of those things i think finance can often be the greatest myth buster as well mm. uh, yeah we are uh, we think this is true yeah but that's not what the data says uh, it's quite hard to argue with that data then isn't yeah. it sometimes um i mean usually people do find a way but um that, like you say, that dispassionate, slightly abstracted view, I think, can often bring a, a degree of um, sort of objective challenge, which is always really mm. helpful, I think, in those things. Yeah, wonderful. Well, it's been a really, really interesting conversation. Now, my, my conclusion um, was going to be more around sort of like actually marketing playing that dual role, as we talked about, so, you know, the, the voice of the company uh, to the customer in terms of marketing communications and also the voice of the customer within within the company. But I think actually just based on the sort of what we, how we, concluded the conversation there 
when you are making any decision about a product portfolio, so many different factors do need to be taken into account. And if you try and deal with it purely from a product perspective or even a product and a, a marketing perspective, you're going to be missing parts. So it's about bringing in that um, interdisciplinary approach to it, getting those those different perspectives and points of view and stress testing all of those different scenarios through that 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 lens. So yes, perhaps it is, you know, um, rather than it's the, the, the power of, of marketing, it's actually the power of uh, finance um, to hold a, a mirror up and um, confront some sort of stark reality when it comes to making decisions around product portfolio. I mean, uh, yeah, I think they have solid, really important stuff to feed in. I think one thing that the marketing director, uh, my marketing director always tells me and reminds me of, she's much better at it than I am, is um, it's actually to, to sort of turn it back to marketing. Marketing can solve problems that people don't think marketing can solve problems in. Mm. And um, I think that back to that true understanding of what is the organization trying to achieve? How is something evolving? What is it we want to guide towards? You know, there's usually, whether it's internal or external, something that marketing can contribute over and above mm. what some of the communities sometimes think they can. And like you say, finance obviously bring a load to yeah. that, that mix too. But in terms of being able to activate it, I think there are a few, few parts of the organization that have as broad a reach as marketing can have. Yeah, that's a much better way of ending it. Marketing can uh, can solve the unsolvable problems. Perfect. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Keep trying. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks very much, Chris. That's been a real pleasure. Pleasure, Benedict. Thank you very much. B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth is brought to you by Allen Agency. To find out more, head to allen-agency.com. You can stream B2B Marketing, The Provocative Truth on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. And don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss out on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Allen, thanks for listening.